The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we're going to talk about grief, but we're not going to just talk about grief and make everybody all sad out there. We're going to talk about the gift you can get from grief. When we experience a loss or a defeat, we often feel a great deal of pain. Added to that pain is also the self-judgment and the self-recrimination that has to do with our effort to spiritually bypass grief altogether. Many are teaching that to, to, to have the typical feelings of grief means that we're unwilling to let go or that we're staying stuck in anger, one of the natural phases of acceptance of any difficult reality. But grief that has allowed its full array of phases and stages has a deeply transformative power. It changes us to the core with lasting and deep, deep spiritual changes. Today we're going to talk about how you can get the gift of grief. So don't miss the, any part of this show. Even if you're not grieving right now, you will one day, and this show can help you know what to do when that happens. So... Okay, let's first talk about grief and what when we grieve. We grieve over all kinds of things. Anything that is difficult to accept, it has the same exact process of, of, of grief. So it goes through those stages that Kubler-Ross defined many years ago, uh, denial, anger, sorrow, or she called it depression. I call it sorrow because sometimes we get depressed and sometimes we just feel sorrowful. Um, so denial, anger, sorrow, bargaining, and finally acceptance. And they don't happen in any kind of order, so don't stop looking for order in, in, in the chaos of grief. But, um, but they do happen very commonly uh, in, in kind of an enveloping way as we go through a grief process. Sometimes the grief process is the loss of being single. Sometimes the grief process is the loss of not having a child to take care of anymore. Many people who are having a postpartum depression are also experiencing the grief of, of, of actually being, becoming a mother. And even though they may have great joy and have anticipated this birth for a long time, sometimes they also need to grieve the fact that they're no, no longer single and carefree. They now, for the next at least 21 years, are going to be parenting a child. Um, and so, you know, it can be about really good things, too, this, this process of grief. But mostly we think of grief in terms of loss. We've lost someone that we are, uh, love someone, uh, and someone who was very important to us, or we've lost something that was also that we cherished that was very important to us. So, uh, so those are the things that uh, times when we grieve. But we li- happen to live in a society in which... Um, 
we are taught not to feel. And that we're on the fringes of being able to change that, but we are just on the fringes. There's a whole lot of talk out there going on about, aren't you over it yet? Um, how long are you going to stay stuck in this? Uh, how, how, how long do you plan on being angry? How long do you plan on being depressed? You know, those are phrases that people actually hear, and they bring them to my office, and they bring them to a therapist's office all over the United States. Um, and maybe Canada and Mexico and the whole world, who knows. But um, w- those are phrases that are heard, commonly heard, by people who are grieving. And, uh, you know, also there are people who say, well, this is exactly how long grief lasts. And if it lasts longer than that, well, you're, you know, you're in an, a complicated grief or you're just hanging on too long. And so, you know, I've actually heard another therapist say that grief should last about two years. And if it doesn't last that long, well, you must be repressing something. And if it lasts longer than that, well, you're just holding on too long. And I got to tell you, the human psyche just does not work in terms of measurements. It does not work in terms of the things we allot to a time schedule. Um, Of course, I would say if we've gone five, ten years and we're still grieving and still really lost in grief over someone or something that we've lost. And yes, I would say that there's some complications there that we need to look into. But I, but I, I, when we start trying to define how long it's going to take, we, we get a little too narrow there. So I want to say that as well. But the self-judgment that we have complicates our grief because it wants to tell us to stop grieving. It wants to tell us we shouldn't be having these feelings. It wants to tell us that we shouldn't be having these thoughts. And that's true even before, or that was true even before the New Age, New Thought, and Human Potential movements came into being. But it's all the more true now as a result of so many people out there teaching us and telling us that we must think positive in order, for, or in order to have positive things happen in our lives. We must feel, have always have positive feelings, and if we don't, we're going to draw some negative events into our lives. So now we've got, we've doubled the problem. Not only are we grieving a loss, but we're also judging ourselves and telling ourselves we need to get over this and think positive or worse things are going to happen yet. And so those kinds of bargains with the universe are very, very difficult for us to, to sort of get past given the teaching that we have out there. So there's a lot of people today, particularly in America, who call themselves spiritual but not religious. And for those people, there's no church, there's no temple, there's no mosque, there's no imam, there's no uh, rabbi, there's nobody to teach, no guru. Very commonly, they're just left to the, to, the, um, to the wiles of the authors that are out there. And I happen to be one of those, so I realize the responsibility that I take in writing books. But... but when, we, when, when all we have is books and we see somebody who's going through a grief process and they're voraciously reading all these books that tell them they need to be thinking positive, what very commonly happens is they end up repressing a whole lot of grief. And then what happens is it's got to come back up later because grief intends to do its job, which is to let go and to accept and to change us, transform us in a deeply spiritual way down to the core of who we are. And, and if we stop it, we stop grief from doing what it came to do, then we don't transform. But grief is going to come back up later, calling us again to the transformation process that it has, that it has in mind for us. 
So grief is not going to go away when we try to push it away by positive thinking and positive feeling. Uh, grief will go underground maybe, but it will come back up later. And uh, so that's not a process I would recommend. If you are grieving, the process is to be with that grief. If you happen to fall in a river, you know, one of the things we want to do is get out really quickly. But, but what people teach us, if people who know rivers teach us, is to relax, pull our feet up, you know, don't get our feet entangled in the stone and just go with it. And, and it will eventually take us to a place where we can get out. And that's the way it is with grief. We need to surrender to some aspect of it. That doesn't mean we lay around in the bed and we refuse to get up and we don't go to work. That does, that's not what I'm talking about. We can grieve while going to, to take care of our everydays. At the same time, there may be a period of time when we need to go to bed and we need to rest and we need to just think and we need to journal and we need to be alone and we need to you know, take a trip to the beach and, and, or, or just spend some time journaling or take long, long walks. You know, these kinds of things are very therapeutic and they offer us an opportunity to, to, to reconcile with the loss that's happened. We, we spend time alone and that allows us to sort of gestate that transformative process that's going on internally. So uh, before I go any further, I want to mention that uh, a friend of mine named Raquel, uh, Raquel Battle excuse me, uh, is offering 21 days of interviews for free. And it's all about grief. It's all about healing, uh, healing the grief. And she's got several different speakers on there over the 21-day period. I was the one on June the 1st. I'll be again offered again at the end of the time. But... Um, I want you to go to healingthroughmeaning.com and check in to that. There's lots of interviews there you can listen to, and you will be very glad you did. If you're grieving, this the, these interview process will help you out a lot. Uh, Raquel had her own grief to contend with, and as a result of that, she decided that she wanted to put something out there for other people to help them with grief. So again, healingthroughmeaning.com, and I'll mention it again as the show goes forward. Um, so... So, okay, what we're talking about here is that it's possible for us to gain something. Not only do we lose something as a result of grief, but we gain something as a result of grief. And so uh, so an understanding about that process is really, really relevant to allowing ourselves. You know, I talk to people who, you know, have just lost a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner and they're, they're in the process of grief, and they've got friends, all, all their friends are saying, you know, all you need to do is get another partner. Just, you know, come on out with us. Let's go to the bar. Let's go to the, go, uh, to the you know, pool parlor. Let's go where we go and do what we do, and let's find you someone else to love. And uh, so what they're doing is, by doing that without knowing it is rushing the process. They're trying to say, hurry up and feel better because you're making me feel bad. I, being around you makes me sad, so... I don't want to be sad, so I want you to stop being sad. And that's not a supportive process. It does not help a person to experience the grief. It does not help a person to let go. And it does not help a person find a, a better partner. Because if I jump from one relationship to the next, I'm very likely to fall in love with the same Mr. or Miss Wrong I fell in love with before, only with a different face. So I'll have all the same problems that I left that person for or they left me for, and, you know, I'm still going to be stuck in the same dynamic with somebody else. But if I allow myself to grieve, 
then I may be able to process through enough to, to, to really let go of that old pattern as well as that old relationship. And that is life-altering. So there's a lot, lot to be said for this whole process of, of, of grief and what it can do for us. But I want to mention just briefly right now, and we'll get into more detail about it later, the alchemical shift that happens inside of us through the process of grief that includes denial, anger, sorrow, bargaining, and finally acceptance. The, the transformative process that happens as a result of letting ourselves experience that is uh, one that results in, in, in a deeper understanding of who we are, a deeper acceptance of life on life's terms, a, a deeper appreciation for the value of the little things in life, a stronger, more passionate resonance with life here on planet Earth. Uh, those are some pretty positive things. And it may open the door to a deeper understanding of your own spiritual nature. It also has that capacity. So we're going to talk about how that happens. Okay, so one of the things that happens when we're in denial, uh, what, one of the things that happens is we just really don't want to believe the loss has occurred. We don't want to believe that it's possible for it to occur. We don't want to believe that the gods that we believe are gods uh, or life in general or uh, our particular spiritual philosophy would allow such a terrible thing to happen to us. Because we, have, we carry with us an old childlike view of life that says, good things are always supposed to happen for me because mom and dad are going to protect me. Now, many of us come from homes where mom and dad didn't protect us. And so we may not have that same magical thinking in, in terms of that mom and dad did protect us, but somehow we still sometimes very often carry a naivete about life that, that somehow for me, bad things are not going to happen. We all talk about adolescents who carry around this idea of immortality and bad things, you know, the, I'm not ever going to die. Well, it, it, it's not just about life, life and death. It's about life. It's about, you know, bad things are just not going to happen for me because I don't feel like they're going to happen. I don't want them to happen, so they're just not going to happen. And so we sort of snap our fingers and wiggle our our noses and say to ourselves, now bad things won't happen to me. And then when they do, we're shocked and we we go into denial. And that phase of denial uh, is normal. It's necessary. And the reason it's necessary is because it gives our biology and our psychology a little bit of time to catch up with reality so that we, we, our body and our mind begins to go, oh, yeah, this is really real. So we go to bed at night and we wake up the next morning and the person who we just lost feels like they're still in the bed with us or they feel like it feels like we haven't had a loss. And then all of a sudden, boom, the memory comes back and we're like, oh, my God, I've lost them. And it feels at that moment that we've lost them all over again. And so, you know, that's, that's the way sort of the denial reality kind of catch up, lose back, catch up, lose back goes. It's like you, we, we are able to uh, allow ourselves room to just not know that this really bad thing has just happened or this thing that we perceive to be really bad has happened. So, so when it comes to being able to, to, to sit with our pain, 
that may take a little time. It may, it may, we may even go through a period of time where we don't experience a whole lot of pain because we're not, in, we're in denial. On the other hand, the pain may come and go in a given day, hundreds of times. We may go into denial and out of it, into denial and out of it, into denial and out of it, several times in a given day. Um, so we can expect this to be different for different people, but denial is all, all very commonly evident as a part of the grief process. And it's okay. It's okay to be in some denial if we just allow that to be what it is. Okay, I'm not really with that yet. I'm not really, haven't really caught up to that reality yet. And that's okay. So, okay. The next, the next thing that happens is uh, some anger and it doesn't happen next. It may happen in the midst of the uh, denial. It may happen on and off while you're in denial. But the anger basically says this was not supposed to happen, damn it. This was not supposed to happen. I was not supposed to have to, to, to experience this. this. This is wrong. It's unfair. It's unjust. It just is, was not supposed to happen. And we can add dimensions to that. So if it was someone who was killed by another person, obviously we can add to that 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 person was necessary to our lives and how dare the gods take that person from us. How can they expect us to live without this person who's primary to our life. So we can add that dimension to it. We can also add to the dimension that, uh, of, of a, a supposedly fair and just God uh, or a, a fair and just Allah uh, that who would not allow this to happen you know, to people he really loved. He being you know, the anthropomorphization of, of, of the divine entity. So we, uh, in, in terms of a masculine pronoun we tend to want to say that the gods that be whoever they are for us are supposed to show us they love us by keeping bad things from happening to us and this is how they will show it and no other way and so when bad things happen to us we feel that the gods that be don't care about us and how dare they treat us this way and so we get really really angry and and what's really beginning to happen there is we're, we might have to ask some existential questions like this. Who am I now if I can't get my God to take care of me as I thought my God was going to take care of me? What does that mean about me as a person? What does that mean about me as a, as a spiritual person? If bad things can happen to me, no matter how positively I think, no matter how many prayers I make, no matter how good I am, no matter how many sacrifices I've made, still bad things are going to happen to me? What does that mean about who I am? And a bigger, more important, even more essential quality to that question is, at the deepest level of who I am, what is my spiritual relationship to my higher power? What, am I just in a perpetual bargain? So that if I'm good enough, if I pray enough, if I, you know, uh, give enough money, if I think positive enough, then the gods will be good to me? Am I in a perpetual bargain with the universe that keeps me from having to really notice that life goes on and it's hard for lots and lots of people? Maybe I think that it shouldn't happen to me even though it happens to them, what, what does that mean about what I've been up to? What does that kind of thinking mean about how I see myself as a universal being? 
These are questions that really come up at this time, and their answers can change us in a deep, deep way. All right, so we're going to stop right there for right now. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back in a few more minutes. We're going to talk some more about how you can get the grief, I mean the gift from grief. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. 
What is most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what is offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about grief and the gift of grief, and I want to uh, re-announce this uh, 21 days of interviews that you can get for free all about this healing of, from grief um, through a site called HealingThroughMeaning.com. It's uh, put together by Raquel Battle, and it's 21 days. You sign up for free, and you can get a different interview every day. So it offers you an opportunity to really think through and walk through your grief with some real guidance from some experts from all over the world. So tune into that, healingthroughmeaning.com. And we're talking about, we were talking just before the break about anger as a stage or phase of grief. And uh, I want to uh, talk about that just a little bit more because when we, when we get angry, it's such a difficult feeling because we want to be able to do something with that anger. And so what I recommend to people is go with that flow. Do something with that anger. Um, sometimes you can do little things like take a walk, you know, uh, go to a boxing ring, do things like that. But, but that in and of itself is not enough because the anger is asking a question. The anger is saying, why is this happening to me? Um, and it may be doing that with, I just did it with expletives deleted, but it, you may come with some expletives. Why is this happening to me? Why, why did I lose that person? Um, sometimes we're angry at ourselves because maybe we've done something to set up a, a, a divorce or something like that, and we're really mad at ourselves for doing that. But, but what happens with anger is it says, what's wrong? Anger says, what's wrong and what can we do about it? Anger says, let me find the I am here in this situation because our anger is our I am. And when we get angry, that something bad has happened to us, what we're really saying is, I matter. I matter. And we may come to that with a lot of faulty beliefs about how, why, how we should matter to the universe, that the universe should take care of us in certain uh, pre-con... Pre, uh, uh, the word I'm looking for is not coming to me. Thought-out ways, some ways that we've already thought out. And, and to be able to say uh, to ourselves that, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be taken care of this way. And to really own that, to really own that we have that belief that we were supposed to be taken care of this way. And to, you know, say that out loud to ourselves and or a therapist or a friend who will really give us positive feedback. To say, I believed that I was supposed to be taken care of without these kind of losses in my life is to say to ourselves, okay, maybe I need to work on that belief system. And so that is where anger begins to put its feet on the ground and say, yes, you do matter. So what's keeping you from being able to, to, um, prop, to 
be in the process of anger enough to allow it to carry you to a new understanding of life and meaning for you. So when we talk about anger, what we think we're talking about is this bad feeling that makes us want to go hurt somebody. But really what we're talking about is our own I am. Because our anger is not meant to be given to somebody else. Our anger is not, I'm not angry at you, although it may feel that way. I'm angry because I have a belief that you shouldn't be doing what you just did. But guess what? You did it because you believed you should. Or that you could. Or that that, that was how it's going to be. You did it. It's real. My anger says, might be saying out of a faulty belief system that I, you shouldn't have done that. But really what my anger is saying is I have a belief that my life is supposed to be taken care of in certain prescribed ways. And if, I, if it's not, then there's something really wrong with the universe. And that belief system, when it's really looked at, can make us go, okay, well, then who am I now in a way that matters to me? If that's not really true anymore, if it's not really true that I'll be taken care of in certain prescribed, pre-outlined, pre-ordained ways uh, that I have decided upon from early childhood in my magical thinking, then, then what is true? Then what is really true? And there is where the spiritual uh, I am begins to take root. What is really true is one of the best questions we can ever ask. And when we ask it of ourselves in a deeply spiritual way, we grow. Okay, I'm going to sit with this long enough to discover some truth here. If it's not true that by being a good person, by being a sacrificing person, by being a praying person, by being a kind person, by being a person who was raised by parents who always overprotected them, whatever, if it's not true that my, my doing this will create a, a universe that is always good to me, what is true? That's where anger can take us, and that's why it's so important to process through it. So let's talk about sorrow, because sorrow is another way of, 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 of really sort of releasing uh, that, that, that holding on sensation, that sense that you belong to me, you were mine, this thing was mine, this job was mine, this car was mine, this person was mine, this life that I had planned out was mine, this future that I had hoped for was mine. These things were mine, and somebody took them from me. So the sorrow says, now that thing that I had is no longer mine. And, this, and it says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm releasing that enough. Uh, my tears, my, my heartbreak open me up to saying, okay, it's not really mine. It's not really mine. But here's what comes with that. If that's not really mine, what is really mine? And that, that takes us to the next level of grief and the gift that grief can give us. What is mine is me. What is mine, absolutely 100%, totally nobody can take it from me, mine is me. That's all that's mine. That's all that ever has been mine and that's all that ever will be mine. And when we really, really, really own that, we have changed at a deep level because the ownership of the me that is me means I have to sort out the distinctions between the things that I do that aren't really me and the things that I do that really are me. That means I'm taking ownership in a whole new level. 
One of the things I say to people when they lose their parent, and I'm at that age where a lot of my friends, I have already lost both of my parents, and a lot of my friends are losing their parents, and, and we're all sort of recognizing, that yes, this is about that time when that begins to happen for people. And, and so one of the things that I've noticed over time and sort of watching this process with so many people, clients and friends and loved ones alike, is that the loss of a parent somehow, on some level, gives us permission to own our lives in a deeper way so that we begin to say, okay, what, what do I do now? Who am I now? What do I really want now? What do I desire now? Now that mom and dad and the, and the dance that I was doing with mom and dad are no longer here, how does that, on some level, set me free to be more me? Now, I'm not saying that our parents are all bad and that we should say, oh, well, I'm glad they're gone. I can get on my life now. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that when we walk through the grief process, what we often discover is another level of freedom we never knew before when our parents were still here. And often I believe that's because we've let go. When we let them go, we also let go of some of the roles that they ascribe to us, how we should think, how we should feel, how we should believe, those kinds of things. It sets us free in a level to go, okay, well, they're not here anymore. I won't hurt their feelings if I, if I believe something different than what they taught me to believe or if I live my life differently than what they taught me I should live, how they taught me I should live it. So uh, the, those, those things are very real, but it's not just true when we lose our parents. It's true when we've, when we've, when we've lost anyone, and here's why. There's a particular dance, what I call a dance. Some people call it a dynamic particular pattern dynamic or dance that we were doing in that particular relationship and when that particular relationship is over whether it ends through divorce or just cutting off a friendship or or a partnership or whatever for whatever reason it ends or, or through death there's a way in which we set ourselves free from the dance at least temporarily now we may rejoin that dance with someone else I want to be clear about that but we are given an opportunity to sort of separate that out for just a little while so we can get some clarity and go, oh, that was the pattern I was in with that person. Maybe that's a pattern I don't want to repeat. Or maybe it's a pattern I do want to repeat. Maybe it's a very healthy, happy pattern. But whichever the case, it gives us an opportunity to do some self-assessment where we're actually looking and saying, okay, Here's what was really going on between me and that other person. I can be honest with myself now because I'm grieving. I'm really letting myself grieve. Now, we all, we all know about that thing that can happen when, when someone dies and we, they, they were not great people. Say it was an alcoholic parent and they were just an alcoholic the whole of their lives and they finally died of cirrhosis of the liver and they were abusive to lots of people. But when they die... All of a sudden, they become Saint Uncle Alcoholic, uh, you know, Saint Daddy Alcoholic, whatever, or Mama Alcoholic. And so what happens is we begin to, to see them in very unreal terms. That is a part of the bargaining process. It's a part of the denial process, and we need to call it that. Because when we do that, what we're doing is forestalling that opportunity we have through sorrow to really look at the pattern of what was going on in that relationship and possibly to set ourselves free in a whole new way. 
So what if when somebody dies, what they're really saying to us is, I'm going to let you, let you have your life back now. I'm going to give you back to yourself in a way now that you can receive yourself on another level because I won't be here to continue that dynamic with. I'm going to set you free from that dynamic for a while so maybe you can find yourself on another place on the ground, another higher level where you can stand inside yourself and root yourself into something deeper. What if every person who dies is actually giving us a gift? What if they're giving us a gift that says, here, here's your life. Here's a new way of existing without this pattern. Here's another way of living that you've never thought of before. Here's a deeper part of you that because now you've felt the deeper ranges of sorrow, you can actually receive another part of yourself that you didn't even know was in there. And sometimes that deeper part of ourselves is absolute peace. That it, that we, it takes us all the way down to the roots where we are able to go, okay, this is real. This happened. My heart is broken open. And now I can stand inside myself in a whole new way that I've never known was possible before. That's a gift. There, I would hasten to say that there's probably not a greater gift we can give someone. And perhaps the people who, who die give us that gift. Perhaps even the people who divorce us or leave us in some kind of way are also giving us that gift. But even if in the case that they're not, we can give it to ourselves. So that's, a, that's one of the things that sorrow. Sorrow allows us to open up the windows and doors of the water fountains inside of us to, to really um, feel, let the flow of deep, deep feelings run through us. And we sit with them and we let them roll and we roll with them and, and we begin to shift and change. Things inside of us move because there's a flow. There's a river going on inside of us and it's moving things around inside and I can't even totally explain what it is that happens when we do that but I can say that very commonly people will announce that they are very different after having gone through that process and I'm not talking about just after having lose, lost someone I'm not talking about just okay well my uncle died my mother died my father died my husband died my wife died yeah, they die. That's a fact of life. What happened inside you as a result of that death, that is where the change occurs. Not because we just lost someone, but because we've grieved. We've allowed ourselves to really fully grieve that loss. And then we get the gift. And we say, well, you know, I don't really want to have all that pain. And besides which, isn't everybody telling me I'm not supposed to have all that pain? Well, it's in part how we think in, of pain. We think of pain as something we shouldn't have to have. But if we can think of pain as just another feeling that's trying to give us a message, then we get the message. So it's how we interpret what goes on inside of us is the biggest part of our allowance to, to just let go and let what happens inside of us happen inside of us. So we're going to be talking some more about, we're going to talk about the bargaining process and finally acceptance and the gifts that we get from those when we come back. You want to be here for the rest of this? We'll be right back in just a minute.
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you ready to shift into higher consciousness? Are you ready for contact with beings from higher dimensions? Ancient and new spiritual technologies will help you take that evolutionary step. Find out more about this powerful shift when you tune in to Conscious Evolution Radio with Ann Gelsheimer. Let's help humanity evolve, bringing in the best possibilities and ideas that our world needs right now. Conscious Evolution Radio can be heard live every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today about grief and the gift of grief uh, and what we can, that means we have something we can get from grief um, and that it's not just that we have to go through this terrible loss with nothing on the other end of it but more loss, but rather that grief offers us a deep, deep opportunity to find ourselves at a level that gives us a freedom and a knowingness that we just could not have unless we go through this process of grief. So... When we lose someone, what we've said so far is that perhaps that person has actually given us a gift in some kind of way, a way to say, here, now that you're out of this dance with me, maybe there's another whole dance you can get into that isn't relative to this patterned behavior that you've had with me, and perhaps you can find yourself at a deeper level. Also, what happens as a result of just feeling the feelings is that things begin to shift and change inside of us just because there's a flow of energy inside of us that we, we're allowing uh, just because we're allowing ourselves to have the feelings. So let's talk a little bit about the bargaining process. So Hoover Ross talked about the bargaining process of grief when she was talking, when she said that people will often say, you know, God, if you will just let me live, I'll be kind to my wife from now on or I won't, you know, drink anymore or whatever. They're, they're, whatever that is, the bargain that they want to make is. What they're really saying is, there's an if-then relationship between me and my higher power. If this, then that. That's what a bargain is. If I go to the grocery store and give $2 and whatever, 39 cents to the grocer, they're going to let me have that loaf of bread. And so I've traded my $2.39 for a loaf of bread. And we often think in those terms. As a matter of fact, many of our religious um, 
um, rituals are formulated out of this bargaining relationship with the divine and how whatever form that religion sees the divine. So uh, we sacrifice a lamb so that we can have a, uh, a, you know, a growing herd of, of sheep next year. We sacrifice a, a calf for the same reason. We sacrifice some wheat so that we can have a, a good product next year. We, we, uh, and we do that to ourselves. If I sacrifice this, that, or the other, then I'll have X, Y, and Z. We do it in our relationships. If, I, if you need to move to New York and I don't want to really move to New York, well, I'll sacrifice and then it'll be my turn and you're supposed to ha- sacrifice for me. Well, that's just one way. Um, I, you know, People do it all the time to their children. I've sacrificed my time and my energy for you for 21 years and now you owe me. Now you have to take care of me in my old age, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just false. It's not true. There's no, there's no owing for parents. But, uh, so we, but we have those kind of trade relationships in our, in our dynamics perpetually. And our belief systems are largely made up of that trade agreement we think we've made with the universe that says, I'm going to be a good person, therefore you're going to treat me right. And it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> because first, we don't know what right is. And second, um, you know, when life occurs, it, it occurs without the quality of good or bad. We're the ones that put that on it. The, the bad thing that happened is only bad because we've interpreted it as bad. And I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that it's not painful. I'm not saying that we don't have some major adjustments to make. But I am saying it's not really bad. We just interpret it that way. The universe is neutral. It's not interpret. It's not saying here comes something bad. Look out! Here comes something good. Open up! It's not doing that. It's not raining good and you know uh, good things on us and bad things on us. One of the th- things that Jesus said, unlike what we're taught, he said uh, we're, we're taught that he said that um, that what we reap we sow. I mean, what we sow we reap. Sorry, uh, and that's not what he said at all. He said that it rains on the good and the bad alike. And what that means is that it's not, the universe is neutral. You know, it's not waiting for us to think positive thoughts before it gives us positive things. It's not waiting for us to think negative thoughts before it gives us negative things. That's just not true. The universe is neutral. We are the interpreters of what happens. And we are the energizers. We are the motivators. We are the, we are the, the, the energy from which a lot of that comes. So if, if it's really true that the universe is neutral and I'm mad at the gods for, you know, doing this to me, what I'll very often do is start trying to bargain. So I'll say, well, you know, maybe, maybe if I, you know, uh, if I'm just really quiet about this and don't really talk about it much, it won't really be real and I won't have to feel the pain. Or maybe if I just get involved with somebody else, then I won't have to feel the pain. Or maybe if I, um, Go out and I've lost my job and I go out and get a new job right away and call my, say to myself it's a better job. Then I won't have to think about all the reasons why I lost my job. There's lots and lots and lots of little bargains we can make with the universe that keep us from actually processing through the grief. And yet bargaining is a natural part of the grief process because what it does is it, conf- it makes us have to look at the fact that we're bargaining. You know, when, when it doesn't happen like we thought it was going to happen, we have to go, oh, well, here I am again in this pain. And what we could do is get very negative and, and sort of uh, uh, jaded about that. 
and just say that life just sucks and, you know, it's just really bad all the time and you can't get the universe to do what you want it to do, so life is just bad. And, of course, that's kind of the sulk of a child who would say, you know, everything is bad because I didn't get that popsicle that I wanted a little while ago. And we've seen little children do this, and we, we sometimes laugh at them. But we do the same thing when we say, well, if it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, then just, you know, screw it because life is just bad. and I'm not going to have any religion at all, and I'm not going to have any God in my life, and I'm not going to have any of that because it's just all hooey because life didn't happen the way I thought it was supposed to happen. So that's kind of holding the gods and the universe and life hostage to the belief that it was supposed to go your way. I have definitely seen people, for example, uh, lose a husband and just refuse to stop being mad at the gods, you know, because I was supposed to have my husband for the rest of my life. And the gods didn't give me that. So I'm just going to be real angry about that. And if I go get myself overly invested and overly involved in something else, for example, an addicted child or an addicted grandchild and try to enable them to try to fix them, try to make things all better for them, then I won't have to really realize that this person that I love so much is gone and, and, and feel that anger again. So there's lots of ways we can bargain and that we can get stuck in bargaining. So we have to be careful. We have to walk through that swamp a little carefully, uh, but recognize that, yeah, here I am. I'm bargaining. That's me going, yeah, the universe is supposed to be like I said it was supposed to be. And what that means is when we have that belief that the universe is supposed to be like I said it was supposed to be, it leaves no room for the divine to really walk into our lives in the way that the divine would walk into our lives without our prescribing how that's supposed to look, you know. So somebody uh, told a story one time about an angel that walked in the room that nobody recognized. And uh, the reason nobody recognized it was because they all expected the angels to have big, you know, gold halos and come with big wings and a long robe and be completely made up of white light. Uh, well, the reason, you know, we talk, the Bible talks about uh, entertaining angels unaware. Well, perhaps we're unaware because we have an expectation of what that's supposed to look like. So if I'm unaware, then I've missed it. I've, I've missed it. I've missed this wonderful gift. And, and the reason I have is because I had a preordained idea about what it was supposed to look like, talk like, walk like, uh, be like. So bargaining is just before acceptance, not that it actually happens in that order, but, but bargaining is just before acceptance because when we get through bargaining, we get to acceptance. We get to a place where we go, oh, okay, this is really real. Now what? Um, and when we get to acceptance, it's not, all right, okay, I'm going to have to deal with this now, so all right. It's not like that. Real acceptance is okay, this happened and I found the gift and I'm going I'm to be able to carry on now. I've talked to many people, and I'm sure you may have too, that have said, or met a few people at least, that have said, um, you know, I'm really grateful that bad thing happened to me because it changed my life. Um, how many people have we heard on, on television who said they were really kind of grateful that they got that cancer because it, it changed their lives. They became different. They became more joyful. They became more alive because of it. And certainly they don't want to keep going with cancer if they can get healed of it, but, but, but the opportunity is there because of that grief experience to really evolve into a deeper level of humanity. 
And that's what acceptance really is. When we have gotten to the place where we have said, we can say to ourselves clearly, yes, this happened. And, you know, surprisingly, I'm a little bit grateful that it did because uh, it really did change me. I can think back on incidences incidences in my own life in which, um, you know, things that were happened that were devastating, and yet they changed me at such a core level that I'm really grateful those things happened now. Uh, and, uh, and they have kind of helped me make myself into who I am now. And that, that possibility is always there in every loss, in every defeat, in every failure, in every uh, so-called bad thing that happens in our lives. That opportunity to, to, to get to know ourselves and the meaning of life in a really different way. So let me say something else about meaning before we go. We just have a few minutes before we close. Um, meaning in life is not the same as purpose in life. Uh, purpose is our, uh, we, we tend to think of, uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be here to do something. I'm here to save the whatevers, the whales. I'm here to, to you know, um, talk to uh, uh, certain kinds of people. I'm here to, to witness for Christ. I'm here to do this, that, or the other. I'm here to do something. Um, and so many people think they have to figure out their purpose so they know why they're here. And what I say is, why you're here is to live. You're here to live, period. That's all we need to know. Just live. Meaning, on the other hand, brings a quality to that life that means that we really are living, not just surviving. So we are, meaning says that this experience that I'm having is, is uh, meaningful to me on a deep level. It's profound. It's touched me. It's moved me. It's changed me. It's helped me change other people. It's helped me reach out to other people in a way that's real and genuine and has an impact. That's meaning. Um, and, and so we can get to a deeper meaning in life and fulfill ourselves at a deeper level when we know who we are. And very often, one of the things that grief brings us to is a new understanding of who we are because we hit what we call that existential crisis. Existential means it has to do with being, it has to do with living, it has to do with being alive, that, that sense of beingness that comes from just recognizing this deep essence, essential core of who we are. So when we, when we, uh, when we have a loss, what acceptance brings us is um, to that place where we can say life is meaningful now. It's not easy, but it's meaningful because I've reached another level of myself. Um, so, and that's one of the bargains we make saying the word easy made me remember to say this. Um, one of the bargains we make that keeps us from moving to acceptance is, well, that's hard. People say that to me all the time. Well, that's harder than it looks, Andrea. That's easier said than done, Andrea. Well, that's really hard, Andrea. And what they're really saying is I shouldn't have to do that because it's hard. And what I say is, yes, it's hard. And yet doing it brings us to another place. It brings us to an understanding of who we are. It brings us to the rewards of doing it, whatever those are. And, and so we have that bargain that says, well, if it's hard, I shouldn't have to do it. Well, I'm here to tell you there's a lot of things in life that are hard, but that we really probably should do because they will bring us to a new level. And grief is one of the hardest. 
Grief is one of the hardest things we do, and yet it brings us to a new understanding of life, a deeper rendition of ourselves, a clearer, freer way of living in our own space, in our own time, in our own way. It brings us all kinds of of transformative uh, uh, ways of being with our own beingness, living into the now, being present with ourselves uh, that can't be even put into words because they're so deep and so profound. And we will not attain those things if we don't allow ourselves to walk through the grief. And by walk, I mean walk. I don't mean run. I don't mean hurry. (laughs) I don't mean rush it. I don't mean say yes to all your friends who want you to hurry up and get out and go date somebody else. I don't mean that. I mean walk through it. That's how you get the gift. So we've talked a lot about that today. I want to tell you again about the 21 days of interview for free at HealingThroughMeaning.com. Raquel Battle is uh, the one who put that together, and it is going to be an opportunity for you to listen to a different expert every day who's going to talk to you about grief and how to heal from it. Again, it's HealingThroughMeaning.com. Don't miss it. Really want to sign up for that today. And that's it for today. That's all we've got. We'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.